episode of the Average Climber podcast, we are digging into the things that you, listener, may struggle with in terms of your training and nutrition. So when you're trying to go it alone, figuring out your training and nutrition needs, these are some of the things you might have a hard time with. So we're giving you the struggles of the people and we're giving you some tips on how to manage them. Welcome. You are listening to the Average Climber podcast. Caitlin. Hello, Lauren. <laughs> um, I don't know if you are aware about this about me, but my eyesight is not the best. I won't wear glasses because I'm the worst, but I have been known. This is, I'm about to tell you something. This is embarrassing, but it's going to relate to the fun fact, but I'm going to okay. share it. So sometimes I do this thing where if I see people far away and I, I'll think they're my friend or someone that I know and then I I wave hi to them and I yell their name and then sometimes people yell back that's not me or I get closer and I'm like oh oh that wasn't my friend at all and and then I it's embarrassing and then I just kind of make a new friend that way by going hi I have I should wear glasses and I thought you were my friend but I'm Lauren and I guess we could be friends now and it's very embarrassing that I am like this. So, but that brings me to a fun fact. <laughs> have, that also, have you ever fact? done this? That wasn't the fun fact. That's the embarrassing fact that leads me to why I know about this. But apparently, because I don't want to wear glasses because it seems annoying and contacts sound awful. But apparently, facts. Yes. Yeah, it seems shitty. Like I don't know. Whenever I see little kids with like glasses, I'm like, oh. I'm you so poor sorry. thing. I'm like, you haven't even hit puberty yet, and you're already like dealing with that shit. That's awful. It's rough. It's rough out there. Rough out there on the playground. <laughs> rough out there on the playground, indeed. Especially if someone breaks your fucking glasses. Like, who? Who needs that? In any case, there are becoming. There is a glasses alternative, and I don't think it applies to everything. And also, I'm not an optometrist, so don't come to me with your optometry questions. I just learned about it. I thought it was interesting, now I'm telling Fun you. facts. Not Fun real facts. anything that we do. <laughs> yes. Okay, but now I will let you know what this okay. is. We have no financial affiliation with what I'm about to tell you about. Okay, <laughs> so federal regulators have approved the use of Vuity, which are eye drops that treat age-related blurry vision, also known as presbyobia and i hope i'm pronouncing that right but i feel good about it and experts say that these drops may allow people to look at things up close without using their reading glasses they said the drops are most effective for people under the age of 55 years old so if you have like blurry vision and you like put reading glasses on to read stuff up close which does not solve my not recognizing my friends problems at all now that i'm reading this um but they can your help anecdote with- is not my anecdote relevant. is i just wanted to embarrass myself like i do <laughs> week on um, but I thought that was really cool Caitlin I well first of all they said is it is appropriate for people before 55 or not appropriate yeah like they say it's going to be most effective if you're under 55 years okay, old okay so I don't really know that many people under 55 who would need that like I feel like this is a later life problem but I digress no but case, also do you ever what? I don't know there's I think there's a lot of people also, I can't, I should know this about my own other half, but Mike wears glasses. And one time I put on Mike's glasses and I was like, this is how you see. And I was like, this is crazy. Lauren, so. I have a disturbing fact for you. Ooh, yes. My, double fun fact. My prescription is worse than Mike's. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You guys are so ancient. Just kidding. So ancient. <laughs> so yeah. ancient. No, I'm, I'm going to knock on wood right now. My, I, I'm like, yeah, I should probably wear some glasses. Okay, before we get into the episode, I do have a question. Do carrots actually help your eyes or is that some bullshit? Yes, they do help your eyes. They are Fuck. full of vitamin A and you actually do need vitamin A for growth, development, but also maintaining eye health as well. So get your carrots in and orange Fruits and vegetables in general will have lots of vitamin so, A and red veggies and yellow as well. So if you're so. eating the sunset, it's good for your If you're eyes. eating the sunset, you're doing really well. 
So excellent. All right, orange skittles <laughs> for your eyes. Good. That's what Caitlin said. You heard it here, folks. Okay. <laughs> Nothing like taking Caitlin's words out of context and making them wrong. All right. Lots of people do it anyway, Lauren. <laughs> no, you're right. Have you seen Caitlin's Instagram page? <laughs> okay. <Yep. laughs> Holy fuck. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm Lauren. I'm a climbing coach and certified personal trainer. And this is my lovely co-host. I'm Caitlin. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and I work with y'all on your nutrition. That's what we're here for. And training. (laughs) And if you haven't figured it out already by whatever the hell you clicked to get to listening to this, you're listening (laughs) to the Average Climber podcast. Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. I make this joke every time. We're not NPR. Ha ha different podcast. Okay. Wow. What a shock that would be. Wow. What a shock. Okay. In any case, I'm very excited because today we are talking about struggles and struggles. We're going to be discussing. We each have two struggles that we think climbers that are working on DIYing their training or nutrition are probably going to face. So if you're someone that, you know, isn't always with a coach or is trying to figure some things out for yourself, we are going to talk about some struggles that you might be facing. And we're going to give you some tips for how to work through those. Yeah. Caitlin, do you want to kick it off with a common nutrition struggle that I, a yes. DIY <laughs> athlete may have? Yes. All right. Get going. Yes. Well, I, I'll back up because the struggles that I am presenting today <laughs> are struggles that I've had many, many of my clients come to me and report. And there's so many overlaps uh, between different climbers, you know, different backgrounds, ages, training levels, and climbing levels too. And I feel like it's important to help you realize, okay, your your struggles are the struggles. Normal. Of, yes, they're normal and Lots it's okay. Lots of people have yes. these problems. Yeah. Yes, it's almost absolutely. like the human experience is a shared one. <laughs> yes. Weird. <laughs> Strange. But <laughs> It is important to also note, too, that while your struggles may overlap with others, your goals don't have to, and how you approach these struggles certainly don't have to either. Big, big, facts. big, big facts right there. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I did so. the clap hands things, and now Josh isn't going to be able to remove that clap. I'm sorry, everyone. You're going to hear background <laughs> clap because I had to clap when I said big Our facts. producer's shaking his fist. Like, He's like, on, don't do this to me. I can't get off my that. clapping lawn. Doesn't, whatever. We don't have the technology for that. I'll just keep my hands behind my back. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Struggle number one on the nutrition side. Lauren, I, you know, you might see yourself in this one. I think it'll resonate. Just making, is this just the make fun of me episode? <laughs> this is all Lauren's struggles. No one else's. <laughs> I already told people I don't know who my friends are. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Struggle number one. Eating breakfast. Thoughts, Lauren? Fuck you, Caitlin. <laughs> Fuck you. Just kidding. <laughs> this is a big struggle, though. Do you know how many people have been like, I really just struggle to eat breakfast. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like, oh, my God, nothing is wrong with you. You're actually so normal. It hurts. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, especially with everyone gaslighting you with, like, it's the most important meal of the day. What are you doing? So, yeah. Like, yeah. I know, and- but I don't want it. You're okay. Like, but, uh, so a couple of reasons why you might not or maybe you struggle with breakfast or you don't feel like eating it maybe you never have but a couple other reasons might be that you're just not hungry in the morning Mm -hmm. maybe you're stressed like you hit the day running and you have anxiety and it's like nope no time for that because nausea and another reason for that could also be potentially low stomach acid I'm not going to get into the specifics of that but that is one of the potential symptoms of why you might not feel hungry in the morning. But yeah, Lauren, do you have have thoughts on just the struggle of eating breakfast? I know this is something you and I have talked about in great length. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I think I've like reached a state of equanimity with breakfast (laughs) though, because I do need to eat food. But I think what I realized is that Sometimes I wake up and I want to get one work task that I know that if I don't get it done, I'm going to procrastinate about it. It's going to stress me out. So it's kind of like I wake up and then usually if I can have like an hour or so to start feeling hungry, to start gradually eating something small, that's been fine. And also removing perfectionism from breakfast has been really big because I used to be really like, oh my God, if it doesn't have 25 grams of protein, it's like not even worth eating it. And I also, I just- 
Yeah, so I think I like got rid of some of that and then realized like, oh, if I just start eating a little bit of something that sounds decent, then I actually want yeah. more food and then it all works out. But hey, I also breakfast know- Breakfast neutrality. <laughs> breakfast, yes, breakfast neutrality. And I've also removed all rules about what counts as breakfast food because that right. is never helpful. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a big where one. I've gotten with it. Okay, yeah, I feel like you're in a really good position based on what I've I had, know. I've, I've recovered from a lot of very anti-breakfast sentiments. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not even trying to intermittent fast. I'm just like- I'm working. I don't want to eat. So yeah, it's, I feel like breakfast is one of those meals that a lot of people just have gotten out of the habit of eating because maybe they work from home now. And the first thing they do when they get up is hop on the computer and that's it. That's the start of their day. And then they don't eat until after lunchtime. So I'm like, oh fuck, it's one and I haven't eaten. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why yeah. are you so angry and why do I feel my crazy? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's maybe a reason. Yeah. Before you jump into strategies, could you I think especially if you're a breakfast mega hater, like I, <laughs> I I'm a recovering breakfast mega hater. Could you explain why it's so important to have breakfast? Like especially yeah. as an athlete. Yep. Yeah, that's a thank you for reeling that back. Uh because it is <laughs> I definitely think that breakfast it most important meal of the day it's not the most important because if you were to exclude lunch or dinner that would also become the most important meal but (laughs) there's a lot of reasons that having a meal first you know first thing beginning of your day is important number one is that it helps your total calories for the day to be sufficient so if you don't eat until lunch and dinner you're going to be back loading your calories and you're going to be at the end of the day kind of like rushing to make up for calories you haven't consumed earlier in the day. And that could also lead us to just maybe some additional binge eating that I know a lot of people, you know, we, we won't get into the the specifics of that or, you know, this isn't to say that it's a you know, a straight up concern, but it is something I think a lot of people struggle with and they don't feel good about it. Like it doesn't make you feel great at the end of the day to feel like you have to overeat and then you feel just overly full. You don't feel great the next morning. And then you may even wake up still full from the day before. So it becomes Mm -hmm. this like never ending cycle of just not wanting to eat in the morning. Yeah. And in addition to that. Oh, that's such a good point. I've definitely played that game before. Also with like the sun setting at 9 p.m. Like come home, eat dinner super late. And then I also think that's part of why I'm not hungry because I'm like, I just ate a gigantic dinner at 10 p.m. Right. And then you wake up and you're full. But the other thing is too, when you have this meal at the beginning of your day, it's going to jumpstart your metabolism for the day and it'll also get your digestion going. So for those of you who – may not have a good bowel movement in the earlier parts of your day or really at all, maybe start adding breakfast into your day to help support that because your body isn't, you know, it's, it's, it's like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm not, you know, moving yet. So I'm not going to get things, things moving out of the body. (laughs) (laughs) Great way to, Great way to talk about that. I guess, what are some strategies? So maybe for the person that was like a total, like, I do not eat breakfast right now. Like, what would you say is a good, like, first couple of steps to start, like, incorporating breakfast into their day? The first thing I recommend, definitely starting really small. It doesn't have to be like, okay, all of a sudden, go to breakfast buffets every day. Not... (laughs) probably yeah. not going to be the way or that like, you're like wake up at wake up an hour early to like make <laughs> yourself like the most gorgeous omelet ever like, no no <laughs> no this isn't neopets you can't just go get your omelet at the place whatever <laughs> no, but... oh my god i forgot about the neopets omelets <laughs> those look so good it's actually so rude that those aren't like real i wish neopet land was like an actual place anyway that taught me budgeting because i would budget my points like that's how i learned how to budget when i was a child was from neopets because i wanted a fucking paintbrush okay anyways yeah anyways back to to strategies wow (laughs) fairy caves the game okay so back let's go back reel it in (laughs) um so starting really small is important so one thing that i think could be helpful for a lot of people is having a breakfast warm up a an appetizer or like a pre-breakfast snack so to speak so that could be really helpful because if you have your coffee on an empty stomach that's gonna make you feel less hungry it worsens the issue and it can create some anxiety plus lots of acid 
in an empty stomach, not great, doesn't feel good. So if you are waking up in the morning and you have your cup of coffee, just have a little snack with it. It can be literally like a piece of fruit. It could be maybe you have like a little little mini bar. Maybe it's just like a handful of crackers, whatever you want it to be. Let's be real. Dunk (laughs) one cookie in your coffee. If you're a new to breakfast, a cookie, you're going to want to eat that. Like you got to yes. have, you got to have, you got to start somewhere. Get like a little shortbread cookie yeah. to have with your coffee. So European. Yes. For Europeans listening, I'm so sorry. That's probably a stereotype, but also I've been wrong stereotype. I don't know. I've seen coffee shops. They're always with pastries. I don't think you're wrong. We know okay. this. Well, <laughs> well, having that breakfast warm up, appetizer, whatever you want to call it, will then also help your body start to wake up. Your digestion will get going, metabolism will get going, so your energy is going to feel like it's higher and probably like an hour later, maybe it's 2 hours tops, you're going to want to eat breakfast at that time. So yeah. this will not only get your day going, but it'll keep your blood sugar stable. It'll help prevent that, you know, on the go first thing in the morning anxiety, and it'll help get you motivated. Motivated, actually. Let's back up. It'll help you feel more supported and be held more accountable to continue that, you know, the spread of calories throughout your day, just so mm-hmm. you have energy, you feel like you're getting sufficient calories and you have enough to keep you going in your life, but also in training as well. Sweet. Okay. So I think that is super helpful for people that are like, I currently do not eat breakfast and I need to like start the habit in a small way. For people that already, have a habit of eating breakfast and are already kind of like, yep, I definitely eat something in the morning, but maybe they could make it even better. What are some of your more advanced for your breakfast <laughs> eating medium to advanced pros? Sort of <laughs> breakfast skill level medium. Yes, I know. Exactly. <laughs> like for your breakfast skill level medium people, what, what are some tips you have? I think kind of what you said initially, Lauren, how you felt like you had to eat a certain food at breakfast. I really think that that hits home for me because a lot of people are like, well, I can only have eggs or yogurt or waffles or bacon. And a lot of people don't like those foods. I would say the U.S. is potentially one of the countries that does that more so than the rest of the world. And that honestly, that stems back to the depression era when they knew people needed additional calories. So they like marketed bacon with eggs as a breakfast food to get people those calories that they needed that Mm. maybe weren't accessible at the time just because of the state of the world. So it's like, is that actually a breakfast food or is that just kind of like what what we've been literally fed? Breakfast is a social construct. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's definitely, I would say, make sure when you are selecting breakfast foods, you pick things that you really do like that feel good for you and help you feel satiated. And it doesn't mean that you have to sit down and have that super fancy Neopet omelet. But if that's something that feels good for you, maybe that's a good strategy. A lot of people, if you are limited for time, maybe you do like, you know, egg muffins, like baked eggs ahead of time. Maybe you do frozen like Jimmy Dean sandwiches, maybe you make overnight oats or smoothies, like whatever is going to work best for you. Just remember that that is going to be your, your, I guess, mode of success. And also just making sure that, you know, it is relatively well balanced with carbs, protein, and fat so that you are getting those nutrients, again, spread throughout the day and um, making sure that you have energy in the morning to get you waking up. And finally, if you want just like a bonus, I always like to suggest adding some type of color to your breakfast if it doesn't Mm. already exist. So, you know, if you have potatoes, potatoes are still a color. That's that's a a white and brown or potentially orange type of color. But if you want to throw some microgreens on, a handful of spinach, maybe a side of fruit, whatever you want to do, that's just going to help support some additional micronutrients in your day that you know, could be a really easy time point to add it. Sweet. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for that helpful guide to the levels, to the (laughs) levels of breakfast. Hell yes. Okay. Lauren, I want to hear your 
number one training struggle. Maybe it's not number one. Yeah. But I want to hear, I'm very curious to hear what yours is. Okay. I feel like athletes that are trying to write their own training plans or figure out what they should be doing with their training are a big struggle you're going to have is being totally overwhelmed with information Mm. because the internet is big and wild and here we are adding another episode every week <laughs> more confusion to the, more stuff to understand and i think i think what the biggest thing here is i feel like there's kind of like two parts to this one is that there are so 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 many things you can be working on with your climbing and your training that it can feel really overwhelming and you're going to sometimes maybe feel like you're not working on enough stuff Mm, and I think that's okay. like a really big struggle where you're going to think you need to be working on your finger strength, but also you need to be lifting three times a week, but also you need to be like stretching every day and working on your mobility, but also you like suck at sloper climbing, but also you're really afraid on lead. Like it's just so much shit that you could be working on. So understanding, oh, oh, and you want to like have perfect endurance all year round um, for yeah, all you sport climbers. I fucking know what people. you're doing. Okay. <laughs> I see you. So it's just kind of like you, you, there's all these different options to train and improve all these different facets. And you get this overwhelming feeling that you're not working on enough things at one time. And then also Mm. you get confused about what you should actually be doing in your training to work on these because there's a bunch of different options. And I just think that that is a very, very big struggle for athletes. Well, I feel like too, even just kind of recalling some of the in our breakthrough clients, for example, I remember there have been a few instances where you've had a very specific plan for someone for that, you know, four, six week block. And they're like, well, but what about the other stuff? You know, what about all these other things? And you're like, okay, well, you're not training for, you know, the NFL here. You're, you're training for something specific and it's important to narrow down to that weakness right now would you say that that's kind of what you're getting at here yeah absolutely I think like the biggest thing for athletes okay so if you're gonna all right I'm gonna give let me let me see if I can break this down to the three (laughs) tips so if you're going to be trying to write your own training plan know this you cannot be working on everything all the time and this is Mm -hmm. why it's important to understand what your goals are and how certain adaptations can progress over time because if you let's say for example you are going to be going on a bouldering trip in the fall but then in the spring you want to be ready to sport climb trying to be in sport climber endurance shape for the entirety of your bouldering training cycle and then building on it like after that it doesn't make sense like have endurance when you or whatever whatever the thing is or if you want to be really good at like techie face climbing for your spring sport climbing trip, but your bouldering trip's going to be like really steep and overhanging and juggy, trying to start like preparing specifically for that sport climbing trip while you're getting ready for bouldering doesn't make sense. Like you can't Mm -hmm. be working on all of it all the time. So be in tune with what your goals are and work on what makes sense for what's coming up in the next, you know, two to three months. Kind of what I say generally is a rule of thumb for your climbing is like 80% of the time be working on general things and then 20% of the time be digging into specifics so like work on getting generally better and then you can kind of like have these periods of time like if you're preparing for a specific goal you know then you could be digging into more of the specifics. Yeah, it's a whole okay. it's a whole so, thing, but I think it's just really – yeah, go ahead, Caitlin. Sorry. Personal question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is my platform to only ask Lauren. So um, yes. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I'm wondering then, like, let me give you an example of potentially – I guess where my head is at. So yeah. if, let's say, I do, like, my basic leg workout, maybe I do, like – chest and shoulders and maybe I don't know like arms are thrown in there would then you say that that's like my 80% base and then 20% since I'm preparing for my fall bouldering season which I'm hoping to take down some mega crimpy projects would the 20% then be like a good focus for like crimpy training on a hangboard weighted hangs like what is that like what you're suggesting or is that how I could kind of think about it? Okay. So I would say like, 
you don't, you want to think about your climbing and your strength training and supplemental activities all as your training, like in okay. one bundle. So training mm-hmm. isn't just like lifting and campusing or whatever. Training is okay. a full spectrum of climbing activities, strength training activities, hangboard and campus board, whatever you might be doing. Mm-hmm. So think of like the 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 like 80% as like I'm trying to get generally stronger. I'm trying to like shore up some of my general weaknesses in climbing. Like if you're like I need to work on my body tension, like be working on your body tension if that's like a weakness, whatever it is. Yeah. And then you can sprinkle in the more specific stuff as you get closer to a goal. But I think it's important to like, basically what I'm trying to get at is like, see the big picture and pick a few key things to be working on versus trying to do mm. it all, all the time. Yeah. yeah okay. I think that's like, like usually if I'm writing a training plan, like my kind of like rule of thumb in my head is like, if I was telling an athlete in three bullet points what we want to get done in the next 12 weeks, like I should be able to explain that, like simply what we're trying to get okay. better at, if that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe sometimes four, if there's some like mindset stuff going on, obviously you <laughs> yeah. can make it a little bit more complex than that. But like, you should be able to like, generally summarize what you're trying to get after without it being excessively complicated until okay. you get to a very high training age where you have very complex goals and whatever for a majority of athletes you want to be able to simply explain like if I'm looking at you as an athlete and you're telling me about your self-guided training your training plan that you're writing for yourself you should be able to tell me in like three or four bullet points what you want to get better at and why okay that will help with your goals. Like if you can't do that, you're not sure about what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, this is what comes to mind. (laughs) Most of the season or most of the year you got your apple pie, but then you have that, you know, the piece of the pie pie. changes. Yeah. You got special pie throughout the seasons. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes you got that Boston cream. Yeah, exactly. So, and also when I say 80, 20, like you know, it might change depending on like how severe your goal is, but that's just kind of like a general guideline to kind of have like a breakdown. I like that a lot. Your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a big struggle athletes will have. And then the last thing I want to say about this struggle too, is figuring out what advice is for you because not Mm. everything Mm -hmm. on the internet, (laughs) yes, is for you. People are trying to create resources that will generally help but everyone has such different skill levels different lifestyles different goals not every piece of advice that you read is meant for you your skill level your goals or your life so if you read something where you're like I found that to be very stressful and like this is not going to be a possible thing for me to apply and I don't feel like this is going to work for me for like logistical very valid reasons where you're like that's not that is not vibing with me right now like that's probably not like the advice for you or if you're just reading something where you're like this absolutely will not work with my lifestyle like it's probably not meant for you and that's totally okay but just recognize that like there are lots of different ways that everyone can go about getting better for rock climbing so finding out what's going to be work for you is going to be a matter of you doing your own research and I think a lot of what can help with figuring out what is for you is having a basic understanding of climbing training. And then I will just go ahead and take this as a moment to shout out the average climber intensive, because one of my goals for the average climber intensive is for you to have a really good foundational understanding of climbing training. So the way you are navigating, looking at different training protocols, different ways of going about things, different training sessions you might find on the internet, you'll understand the why behind them. And you'll be able to know how to look at your goals and be like, okay, this is how I can apply this. So I think having a good foundation of foundational understanding of exercise science and how Mm -hmm. how things work will be really good for you going forward as a DIY athlete Caitlin do you have anything to add there any like personal personal stories or thoughts or any other questions you want to ask I got lots of personal anecdotes but (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I really like that point because a lot of even what I've seen for training, because in my sphere with nutrition, there's obviously so much information too. And I feel like in training, it's it's really similar as well. And there are some people who are trying to reinvent the wheel or say things differently, which just that adds confusion. But if you do, just to reiterate, if you do see something that doesn't seem to vibe check with you or seems like, oh, well, maybe that's like, this isn't speaking to me. This message isn't for me. This is not for my skill level. Like this is not for whatever it is. Like, yeah. Like it's okay for that to be the case. Like social media is largely a dumpster fire of information. (laughs) Some of it's correct. Some of it's not. Some of it's misleading. And 
I, I do think it comes back to just making sure you give yourself that time and space when possible to like really acknowledge and listen to yourself, understand your why, like really take a, a close look at it. And if it doesn't work for you, just go, oh, next, you know, but like there are going to be things out there that don't, that just don't work well for you. And I I definitely have, have had that experience recently where people <laughs> don't see themselves in my posts or something that I'm putting out there on this free platform and they get angry about it. And it's like, okay, well, well, this isn't for you. Yeah. Yet. Like not everybody gets a participation trophy today. <laughs> just some days I'm speaking to some people, other days I'll speak to others. There's just a lot of, you know, variation out there. What works for you may not work for someone else. And you know, you just have to really sift through all of the information out there and understand what's what's, what's going to work for you. Exactly. Cool. Well, with that, should we take a little a little break? Let's do it. Welcome, everyone, and all aboard the struggle bus. Today, Caitlin <laughs> and I are going to we're going to dive into. You know, we know what to do when it comes to like how to have a good training session, but there's also the flip side of that, which is what can we do that will earn us a one-way ticket to the struggle bus in our training sessions? <laughs> Ask this, Caitlin, what's like one thing where you know if you've done like these one or two things, you might be about to have like a very rough session? Uh, man, there's so many. I, I guess the big one for me is not sleeping well the night before okay. and expecting to go into my session bright eyed and bushy tailed that is the <laughs> realm of struggliest struggles Ooh, i love that so it's kind of like doing something that you know where you're like i'm pretty tired and i'm sleep deprived and naturally you're less recovered and then adding the yep. expectation of being like no i'll still perform the exact same way and then when you don't <laughs> meet the expectations you're both tired and frustrated, which I think is quite a the lethal combination. percent. Yeah. And then it's like, why do I suck today? And you walk out of the session just being like, this was terrible. I quit forever. And it's like, and oh, well, you're just maybe. Like, oh, baby needed a nap. We just needed a nap. nap. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I, I resonate with that. That's, that's a pretty good one. Although what these about days you? I'm, yeah, these days I'm pretty like, maniacal about being like we're not doing anything early i have to sleep as late as i want to because i true need facts a lot of sleep. i attest um, <laughs> yes i'm always like do we have to do that but i'm getting better i'm waking up with the sun going to bed <laughs> at a reasonable hour anyways okay i would say one thing that will cause me to have maybe a rougher session than normal is eating chaotically throughout the day which i think Ooh. caitlin will come as no surprise to you but Basically, if I have to wait, if I've somehow waited until the absolute last minute to eat a sufficient meal before I go train, especially if it's in the evening, mm. and then I'm starving, and then I smash way too much food right before going to the gym, <laughs> it is not good. I'm recalling one incident where I hardly ate anything all day. I was so hungry, and then I thought, okay, I'll just eat part of my dinner now, go do my session, and then part of it later. But I was so starving that I ate a shit ton of spaghetti and meatballs and I was so full yep. and I felt horrible and the whole session I was like I'm about to puke like this was not not, not the way which is so good. weird and how that works yeah well your body yeah. is like um excuse me bitch doing? I'm trying to digest this food it's in your belly <laughs> and now you're trying to make me climb are you kidding me yeah what and like also where was doing? all this food at 10 a.m or even <laughs> noon or even, or even two yeah the whole yeah. day it's like <laughs> it's a battle yeah it yeah so that is that is the wild operation i led but yes those are the things where if i do that i'm like this could be rough yeah so that's that's how i can get myself a one-way ticket on the struggle bus um yeah and i think thank you for sharing that caitlin as well yeah coaches <laughs> need coaches we are humans too just because we know the right things to do doesn't mean we always do them so nope. all right. do as we say but do as we say not as we for real big for real <laughs> all right well i think we can with that let's continue this yeah. journey on the let's struggle get bus back um with our <laughs> let's get back into it with our next two
Did you ever cram for exams in college? Oh my god. Did I ever? Did you, Lauren? (laughs) (laughs) I did. And you know how people always say, like, that's a bad thing. But, I mean, I graduated, right? (laughs) I mean, if it works, it works. If you do it right, you can learn a lot of info in a short amount of time. Perks. (laughs) Wow. Lots of information in a short amount of time. You know what that reminds me of? What? Our intensive coming up this fall. Well, hell yeah. This will be honestly the best kind of cramming. So let's talk about it. Sweet. Okay, I'm very excited. So this October 1st and 2nd, Caitlin and I are teaming up to bring you The Average Climber Intensive, a two-day seminar to level up your DIY training and nutrition efforts. In this intensive, you're going to learn how to write your own training plans and make informed decisions around your nutrition. So if you're ready to holistically improve your health and your climbing, you're going to get a ton out of this. Totally. And the average climber intensive is for climbers of all skill levels who want to feel energized and well recovered when they hit the gym or crag, gain the knowledge needed to write their own training programs, feel more empowered and less confused about how to improve their nutrition, and finally stop the never ending cycle of training hard then getting injured. Seriously, y'all, if you're ready to transform the way that you view your progression in climbing, you better join in on this intensive. So head on over to the link in our show notes to get registered right now. Spots are extremely limited. And you lucky listeners, make sure to use the code AboveAverage at checkout by September 6th to get $100 off enrollment. And after September 6th, early bird pricing will be gone. So as a reminder, spots are extremely limited. And this event is certainly going to sell out. So grab your ticket now by heading over to the show notes before it's too late. Caitlin, I want to talk about protein shakes. Well, what do you want to talk about? Well, I I really like how I can just spend two seconds and expend no mental energy and get a full serving of protein after a training session because of protein shakes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet, magical little drink. Which protein shake are you using these days? Okay, so I found that whey sort of messes with my stomach, and I've actually been pretty into the gnarly vegan protein shake. And as as my nutritionist, what are how do you feel about that one? I'm actually obsessed with their vegan protein. It's my favorite one out there in terms of taste and texture. Both flavors, chocolate and vanilla, are so tasty. And it's got everything you need in terms of complete proteins. So one less thing to have to worry about. Pretty great. Heck yeah, I love that. I'm very glad to know the full extent of its radness. Gnarly Nutrition is actually a proud sponsor of the Average Climber podcast. And if you want to get your hands on their vegan protein powder, you can head on over to gonarly.com. Okay. Over after the break, Caitlin and I started looking up the Neopet omelets because Josh looked looked them up and was like, fuck, these omelets do look good. And I'm looking <laughs> at them and I'm like, aw, my childhood. Caitlin, yep. which one of these omelets looks the most tasty to you? I've kind of I've looked them up a little bit. Some of these are some of these are wild, but some I think these I know are which one. Insanity. Like my Demi- favorite, I yeah. think honestly, the reason that I love cheese and green pepper omelets to this day is because of neopets like i think Aww. that that was just indoctrinated into my like core yeah. memories as very important for me but i also remember loving the sausage ones too it, wow inner child healing i know it's really i was like this is i'm like i need to get access to my freaking neopets account i don't even know if it still exists but this do you is... remember what your name was on there no i remember I don't. mine what was it I don't know why. Because <laughs> you were probably eight. That's why. I was probably eight and Spongebob was a big vibe in my life at that point in time. So it was something like Bikini Babe 22 or something. Oh my yeah. God. Because of Bikini. I bet your mom wanted to murder you. That's so funny. I'm sure of that. Yeah. My 
my dad and I used to just have a blast watching Spongebob together and my mom would just roll her eyes and be like, this is absolute garbage. And I was like, well, you're just wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong opinion. <laughs> Aw. Omelette of the fairies. Oh my God. That's what I was saving up for. I wanted a fairy type paintbrush. I remember yep. that. Uh, what remember, a good time. Do you remember the giant omelette at the, in the Tyranian plateau of Neopets? Holy <sighs> shit. Vaguely. Oh my god. Okay, uh, well Oh well anyways. <laughs> hi. Hello. And we're back. And more now struggles. I wanna, more struggles. The struggle of staying on topic. Am I right? <laughs> or that's why oh you boy. like our podcast, I think. That's why you listen to us Cause, mostly. Because we're probably. having we're having fun and we can't focus. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk Caitlin, why don't you open it up with another nutrition struggle that is common? Yeah. Well, <laughs> For, for the people. <laughs> so let's see. I have a couple here. I think this one is a really big one. And I've been seeing this a lot of places recently. And maybe it'd be good to talk about. So that is identifying and trusting your hunger cues. Sort of tangential Ooh. to eating breakfast, but nonetheless important to talk about on its own. So yeah. I feel like what's really important for hunger, at least to note, and this is something that I've I've told our clients in Breakthrough, and I know that they, like, it was a pretty big aha moment, but you, you don't learn hunger. You learn appetite. You are mm. born with the physiological cue of hunger. So when we've been told so many things over and over again in diet culture. And, you know, we've been told like, you're not just hungry. You're thirsty. You just need water. You just need water. <laughs> it's, it's like, like no. in the devil wears Prado where Emily, like the other assistant is like, I've had four ice cubes and a cheese cube today. I feel fine. <laughs> it's like, um, okay. Well, balls. But I think it's really important to understand where those hunger cues are, you know, like what they actually are. Because for not, not every person is going to feel like the hunger gurgles, like stomach gurgling hunger pains. Like that's sometimes and usually what we associate. But when we are hungry in absence of that, I think we get really confused. And that's where some of that like trust our trust issues come up with mm -hmm. being hungry. So a few other things that you might feel when you are hungry beyond the like stomach gurgles might be classic hanger, like <laughs> irritability, and maybe you have some headaches, maybe you have mm. some dizziness or faintness, Maybe you start to get nauseous or a bit flushed in the face. Maybe you just feel really out of it, like your mood declines and you just feel really like lethargic, low energy. So even though those overlap with a lot of mm -hmm. other things that might be happening, those might be really good giveaways where if you're like, God, I just feel so off today. What's wrong with me? This happened to me yesterday. So I'll, I'll share that anecdotal story in a second. But it is, I think, surprising for people when they acknowledge that hunger can be these signs and symptoms. It gives them that opportunity to stop and think like, oh, yeah, OK, I should probably probably eat. Has this ever happened to you, Lauren? Oh, yeah. But also, I was just thinking about how the symptoms of like a really shittily planned work conference call and the symptoms of hunger are like the same. The same. You're like, I'm nauseous. My head hurts. I am irritable. I can't focus on anything. Like, they're it's very similar. Do you think so. maybe you just needed a snack before that work conference call? Maybe, but I also think <laughs> that some of the... Well, this was in my past corporate life, but some of those mm. conference calls had some loosey-goosey fucking agendas and no one was oh. on time. Anyways... Back yeah. to my struggles. Wait, actually, no. I do have a. I do have. <laughs> yes, um, I do have a a like little story from yesterday where I knew I was hungry, but I also found that I just could not. We were talking in the car, like some friends are visiting, so we were all kind of like, you know, just driving back from the crag in the car. I could not focus on like a strand of conversation because I was so hungry. It was partially because Michael was talking about cars a lot, which always <laughs> makes my brain shut the fuck down. But I do think it was where you just like, oh boy, go into hibernation mode. Can't do this right now. But I do think it was partially hunger related. And I kind of forget that like 
inability to focus can seems like that can certainly be related just being stupidly hungry so is that accurate absolutely and you know that happened to me yesterday actually and the reason I point this out is like again do as we say not necessarily (laughs) as we do like we're not perfect nobody is but I yesterday I got through the whole day I was so focused just like tunnel vision on my work for the day and I get to 3 p.m. and I'm starting to wind down I had one more call left and I started to get this massive headache and I was like so tired I really hadn't slept well the night before like I, I knew that there were some things that were going on that I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then when I stopped for the day and I was getting ready to go train and then also get ready to go out to dinner with a friend for her birthday, I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot lunch. Like I took all the stuff out, (laughs) put it on the counter. Like it was still on the counter. And in my mind, for some reason that- You had eaten. Yeah, I had eaten. It was fine. (laughs) It was great. I just, I don't know what happened along the way. Um, Nobody diagnose me, please. Like, I just (laughs) totally spaced out. Some days, we're talking about struggles. Yesterday was my struggle. We're gearing up for a lot of different things, like more one-on-one coaching spots this fall. The intensive. But it's just like my brain was totally on like it. I was so focused to a point where today I know that I'm way more tired because of that. But just, you know, I'm I'm trying not to like make myself feel badly about that because it happens. A lot of people struggle with this, too. And like not listening to yourself. Um, Yeah, it it definitely helped me uh, feel just like feel like okay today is gonna be a better day we're gonna nourish ourselves take a lunch break we're chilling sweet also okay quick question for you how would you say if you're someone that you know is maybe not fully in tune with their hunger cues or kind of like having their appetite be associated with their hunger cues like what are some ways to start developing a better intuition around that I would say When you have, like, I'll give the example of me yesterday and today. You had a day where you knew you weren't eating. Me, this, me, I did this, calling myself out. (laughs) And I, I know that today I'm feeling worse because of it. I, Mm -hmm. I ended up because I didn't eat lunch. I ate a bigger dinner. I didn't feel awesome, like going to bed that full Mm -hmm. and I, I know that my sleep was disrupted because of it and waking up today, I was just really lethargic because of that and probably because I really overall just didn't get enough calories. So for me, this is like putting it in the bank as, okay, I don't want to do this again. Next mm-hmm. time, what could I do differently? And next time, maybe that means like reminding myself that I somehow either with like, okay, a phone ping or something that's like hey go eat just a reminder yeah or have food already made so that it's just a little bit easier for me to wrap my head around midday to take that break or just the act of acknowledging it alone and understanding what you would have done differently had you you know given yourself that that space to think about it I think is probably what I'd say would be helpful Yeah, I think that makes so kind of like taking time at the end of a day where maybe if you know your energy levels were off or you got a headache or some like undesirable symptom taking time to kind of reflect on if you how eating went that day in terms of like steady meals throughout the day and then using that as a way to reflect like, okay, how can we do this better tomorrow? And then it also sounds like stopping to check in if you start feeling some type of way to go, am I hungry? Like, is that the problem? Do I need to eat? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think realizing that whatever work task you're doing or whatever has got your attention so wrapped up that stopping to eat something so that you don't run out of fuel is probably a really good idea. Even though if you're, even if you're hyper-focused and you don't want to stop, it's good to stop and eat something. There's a reason I think that these terms are sort of food related or energy related, like burnout, gassed. Yeah. uh, You know, like what's another one? 
I don't know. In any case. I don't know. I don't talk about cars. You <laughs> <laughs> just said this. I should yes. know. Yes. <laughs> just kidding. I should know but, about this because in my chemical engineering education, we definitely <laughs> talked about fuel sources, the fire triangle. Anyways. Oh, my God. Well, so. yeah, I think it's just – it's a matter of just acknowledging it, understanding that there are other symptoms beyond just hunger pangs in your stomach and recognizing that you can trust these signals and maybe you just need a snack so yeah if you if and especially if you've kind of done the loop of I probably just need water like maybe you are thirsty but also if you're still hungry after you have some water you probably need maybe both maybe both (laughs) do both sweet well good yeah Yeah. no I think that's such a good such a good simple but important thing to remember because if we all learn to pay attention when we were like this sounds so simple right if you're hungry eat something but then the mechanics of that actually happening Mm -hmm. is you know like eating food can be like sometimes a complex task like it's not just like open up a thing and be done it's like cook it and then you got to do dishes and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. so gaslit thoughts about am I actually hungry am I actually hungry or should I just drink some lemon water yeah so I think that's so thank you thank you for pointing that out Caitlin I appreciate it sweet cool well what's your next struggle Lauren okay so for our for our final struggle that we will be discussing today so my second training struggle this is a struggle I think you will face especially if you are newer to coaching yourself So this is working on the wrong things because of your own biases. Uh, Mm. Caitlin, do you ever feel like you have had trouble with this in your time as a climber? (laughs) (laughs) I always work on my weaknesses that are actually weaknesses. (laughs) always work on crimps exclusively because while I'm really good at them, I also... Could be even better at them. I could be better at them. And <laughs> everything else is dead to me. <laughs> you you say that in jest, but the number of people no, it's real. Just, it's so real. And while I think it's totally okay to you know decide that certain things in climbing you don't enjoy, you don't want to do them, and just be like, you know, but acknowledge that you're making a conscious choice when you say I'm not gonna work on this weakness. Like you are stunting your growth in a lot of areas of your climbing, not just that one area. There are tons of overlap in the way that learning one skill can help with other skills. So if you just say, I'm just not going to work on that ever because I don't want to because I don't like slopers and I never want to like them. There's a lot of things you can learn from sloper climbing that you can carry over into lots of things and you're going to stunt your growth that way. Yes. Well, Lauren, I have a quick story for you that I I think will make you really excited because (laughs) when I first started training with you, you were like open or um, half crimp or yeah right half half crimp half yes whatever okay yes half um crimp. yes and you're like that's you know that's your new position get used to it <laughs> and the other day I was inclined to experiment with open hand again ah, and yes. full crimping and my full crimp is honestly so much stronger because of that yeah but what I've learned open hand wow that is maybe something that I was like oh I don't remember ever being able to do this but I did it when half crimps felt really really hard initially open Mm -hmm. hand felt like available to me and now I'm like hmm okay maybe I I realize that I have exclusively been half crimping and that's that's it that's so So. interesting (laughs) yeah I mean I think like the half crimp can definitely like help with all these and also you're just like yeah strengthening your fingers and Mm -hmm. the muscles in your fingers don't change just because you're in an open (laughs) hand but I also think it's a good point to bring up that like what you're actively practicing that you have been practicing is going to feel feel easier um in that way so uh josh typed in the, the little chat he goes, <laughs> i'm consciously saying fuck slap hey i yeah. feel it that's my one thing where i'm like oh my god that is the vegetables of the climbing that i need to be working on <laughs> but i super do not enjoy it but i know that it is good for me but yeah no that's that's a good it's a good call out and i'm glad that you found that the half crimp has improved and that also yeah. your full crimping has gotten stronger like that feels more comfortable 
Yeah. Now. It's good like, to have a lot of tools in the toolbox. Totally. Which is what happens when you work on your weaknesses. Um, <laughs> and I also want to call out, so there's kind of a few things that can sort of happen in this sort of this vein of like knowing what your weaknesses are and actually working on them because that's kind of like half the battle. Half the battle of doing a good training program is accurately assessing what you really need to work on. And I kind of talked about that in the first struggle, but so there's kind of a few ways that you can fuck up working on your weaknesses. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about how to avoid that. But one of them is knowing your weaknesses, but then making like a half-assed attempt at working on them. And it's okay if you're like, I really don't like this. So I'm going to put some effort into doing it. And that's going to be good enough. Like, I think that's okay. Like doing a decent job and putting some work into it's great. But if you're like faking it or being like oh I need to work on like this type of climbing or I know I need a lift and then being like I'll just do it once a month it's like eh, like you make a real plan like put some effort into it if you can like honestly ask yourself like is this what a good effort looks like when it comes to working on this and you can honestly be like yeah this is what a good effort looks like for me right now great but if you ask yourself like is this actually what a good effort to working on this weakness is and you kind of inside you're like no this is I'm sucking like I am half-assing this <laughs> Be real with yourself about it. That's one thing. Another thing is, you know, some we're all some people are more self-aware than others, and especially with climbing, and especially if you're new and if you've never even watched yourself climb on a video, you might not realize what your weaknesses even are at all. So mm. I think one way to start figuring out what that is is like take videos of yourself climbing because I know for the first like maybe one or two years of my climbing, I'd never seen a video of myself climb. Like maybe a trusted climbing partner would like give me some feedback sometimes, but I had no clue. Like I just knew what I perceived as hard, what I perceived as easy. And that was like mm. the extent of what I knew about my own climbing. So I think if you don't get to know yourself as a climber by watching video and maybe asking like a trusted friend or better yet, a qualified professional for some feedback about what you could be working on and what they see in your technique and your strengths and all of that, like that's going to be really helpful. Caitlin, have you ever like totally misdiagnosed like what one of your own weaknesses is? Uh I know very much so what my weaknesses are, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but like okay, rewind the tape to like maybe year 1 or 2 of your climbing. Like was there anything where you like I had this perception and that was actually comically wrong? Yeah, I guess that's maybe that comes down to what I just even said being like <laughs> I know what I don't Basically, I I knew what I didn't know and I wasn't willing to actually like seek that out. But yeah. I definitely think that I – early on, I probably thought that I needed to be either stronger or I probably should say this. I, I should be lighter. I should yeah. be – like I should be just like – trying harder like I didn't actually tie any reasonable skill to it where it was like mm. oh well you probably could train harder all around you probably could work on foot technique and yeah like you almost focus planning more yeah. on the like strength like the simple strength side of things where it's just like yeah. just get stronger without thinking like what Try climbing harder. skills yeah could, yeah exactly like what climbing mm -hmm. skills could I be shoring up that's exactly that's a very good point yeah like, I think that's an easy one to fall well, into for sure. A quick shout out too from our board meeting with <laughs> Chris and Nate, that episode. Over at the power company. I don't know when yes. that's going to air, but it'll come out eventually. said <laughs> October, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out. But he, something that I thought was really interesting was that Chris was explaining that people who are repeatedly told like, oh, they have such good technique. They, you know, they're so flowy on the wall and they do this mm. like really almost balletic. And I was like, oh God, he's like talking about I'm me. So, stop talking about me. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, it's true. It's like I- You can get one good at like one style of climbing. Yes. Without being, you know, without realizing that there are other things that you could be working Other on you ways of climbing yeah totally. yeah like you don't have to exclusively like always be trying to improve all around like I think like for me let me give you the example if I was working on slopers but I was climbing at Waco tanks all the time that's not like the most helpful there 
because there's a lot of like crimpy techy feet like there's just stuff that there maybe that's not like what I want to focus on but here in northern New Mexico in Roy there's a lot of slopers lots of pinches and things that I haven't worked on so it's like I feel like there's some yeah some different climbing areas are going to demand different things but things yes but absolutely anyway nice (laughs) yeah I think like just to give a personal example of a time where I didn't realize a weakness I had so the way I climb, you know, some people, I think Caitlin, Caitlin and I almost like are kind of exact opposite climbers. Like I always <laughs> joke that I climb like a frat boy, but I really like, like to like square up, huck at things, like move quickly, like, you know, very more of a power oriented style. And I've always kind of climbed this way. I don't really know why, but it's just the way my body moves. So I never perceived myself as having any sort of issue with power because people would always say like, oh, you're so punchy or like, oh, you're so good at big moves to jugs. But then when I kind of like got down to it and, you know, took my own assessment, got some feedback from Mm -hmm. a coach, I actually was very endurant and had like pretty shit pulling power, like overall. Uh, Like it was like my endurance was good and I could do these punchy moves, but overall my power was actually like not good. And I also was really not great at like maintaining body tension. So I would just kind of like jump to shit and like let my feet cut instead of doing more efficient tension oriented things. But I had no no idea that that was an issue like I thought I had good power because I was good at like jumping to things but that's not just what power means but I had no idea and I didn't know that I needed to increase the way that I worked at it so sometimes it can be really hard to realize what your weaknesses are without like the trusted eye of a friend or without watching videos of yourself or trying to figure figure these things out and then I think the last like obvious thing that comes to mind when we talk about working on our weaknesses is sometimes the weaknesses we need to work on are extremely extremely uncomfortable to work on and until we Mm -hmm. really can understand like how important it is to work on them it can be really hard to do and I'm especially talking about certain mindset issues for example if you hate climbing in front of crowds it can be so uncomfortable to start getting better at that or if Mm -hmm. falling off of routes or boulders scares the shit out of you working on those types of things can be extremely uncomfortable. Or if you're, you just really hate a certain climbing style. Um, and a lot of times we don't like what we're not good at. And then it becomes this vicious cycle of you never work on it. So you never get better at it. So you never like it. Right. So I think, you know, if you're the kind of person where, you know, you need to work on your weaknesses, but you never will do it because it's so uncomfortable getting some Mm. kind of external help with it or starting small with working on it is where you want to be. But that's kind of the pitfalls when it comes to identifying and actually working on mm. those weaknesses. Yeah. So mindset is yeah, the <laughs> mindset is the crux. Um, Cause you know, we all like to be good at stuff. And a lot of times working on your weaknesses is showing up to be like, I might suck a little today and I'm yeah. going to have to like put my ego aside and like dig in and like learn and look a little <laughs> silly, but being something able to do that, that's pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> something that I told a client recently because She was feeling like a little bit uncomfortable diving into nutrition, like she was ready and like that was something that was wanted. But one of the the examples I used was I want you to feel like you're, you have a blanket, you got a weighted blanket on, Mm -hmm. but you got your toes in the water, you know, (laughs) but you're still like, you know, so getting a little little warm like a little uncomfortable but you still got some things that make you feel good and that might come down to being with a supportive group of people or mm-hmm. maybe your favorite shirt or or some good like pump up jams in your ears yeah where you, like when I listen to this I feel like a badass and now I'm gonna go fall off this boulder that's kind of not the style that I'm into but yeah I like I like that Caitlin that's good good analogy yeah yeah sweet so- <laughs> wow I think we we have we were like we got to reel it in for this episode we'll keep it on the shorter end so I think we can I think we can probably wrap it up there do you have any announcements or things you want to tell people about Caitlin yes speaking of struggles I know <laughs> that it is challenging to DIY and try and figure out how to overcome some struggles, how to tackle it, and find reasonable actions that feel good for you, that are sustainable, that are safe actions for you. 
And I want to share that I am opening up several spots this fall to work Ooh. with me one-on-one. And there are a lot of things that I work on with athletes and particularly climbers. And everybody is so different, so it's hard to narrow that down. But really, I'm here to help you navigate your own nutrition, figure out the strategies that work well for you, and help you understand when, why, how to eat, and gain clarity on what's going to look and feel good for you, not only in your everyday life, but also your training as well. Sweet. Lauren, you got anything? I think the biggest thing that I want to remind you all about is that the average climber intensive is going to be going down October 1st and 2nd. We're super excited about that. If you haven't listened to it already, listen to our snack break about it. It'll tell you all the things you need to know. But as a quick reminder, the pre-sale the coupon code we love stubby is expired after september 6th so if you haven't used your pre-sale coupon code yet to get in on this make sure you do that soon right now right now okay i think i think that's about it i'll i'll got some custom plan spots open for october november and december what else is going on oh and then if you're like i don't want a custom plan but i do want a training plan to follow because i don't want to think about it and i just want to train and try hard and put my nose to the grindstone check out my self-guided training plans sport climber one strength training and fingers one and i got a bouldering one as well so you can find those in the good spray store and we'll link we will link to all of that in the show notes but i think with that we can uh we can close this out what do you say caitlin Let's definitely before we we get carried away with more more exciting stuff. Pet topics. Oh yeah, no, I gotta go look at omelets more. So all right, we're peacing <laughs> out. Have a great rest of your day. Whatever's going on with you, you lovely listener, and we hope that you keep it average. average. <laughs>We hope you enjoyed this episode and that some of these struggles resonated with you. I'll close this out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. Interested in learning strategies for being your best self-coach? Then you're going to love the Average Climber Intensive. This October 1st through 2nd, Caitlin and I will be coaching a small group of you so that you can learn how to write your own programming and tweak your own nutrition. If you're stuck in a rut and ready to level up your knowledge and skills, the Average Climber Intensive is exactly what you need. Pre-sale tickets are on sale now, and if you use the code WELOVESTUBBY at checkout, you'll get $100 off. Make sure to use this code before September 6th. You can sign up now at the link in our show notes. Want to learn what you could be doing better with your climbing training and have some fun while you learn? There's a quiz for that! If you want to find out your climbing theme song and learn how to improve your approach to training, you can take the quiz right now by heading over to the link in our show notes. And don't forget, you can book a free 15-minute clarity call with Caitlin by tapping the link in our show notes. If you've wanted to make changes to your nutrition habits but don't know where to start, book a call with her to see what's possible. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast. You can also find Caitlin on her Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and me on my Instagram over at Good Spray Coaching. This show is produced by Josh Hayfleet with our favorite furry production assistant, Stubby the Corgi. The music for this episode was created by Devin Dabney of the American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you haven't already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com to learn more about the other great shows on the network.